This is Daniel Fagella. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast, and it's Monday, so those of you who've been with us for a while already know what's going on here. On Monday, we cover our AI Success Factors series. These are short 10 to 15-minute episodes focused on a particular enterprise success story with a named client where we discuss the one thing that made that project a success. The goal with this series is that no matter what industry you are in, the factors that lead to a genuine ROI in the enterprise, which is hard to achieve, by the way, are relatively similar across industries. Concerns around data, teams, collaboration. And today we have an episode that touches on a number of those common themes with some details that should be immediately actionable for our listeners. We've covered many manufacturing use cases over the years. Uh, We've had Big folks like IBM on, we've talked about manufacturing for electronics, we've talked about manufacturing for car parts, we've never talked about the manufacturing of steel. But as it turns out, just the structural steel market alone is a global market worth hundreds of billions of dollars a year. And the plants that make steel, just like any other manufacturing firm, need to make sure that they're being efficient about their output and throughput. Our guest is Nikunj Mehta, who is the CEO and founder of Falconry. Falconry is a Bay Area-based AI services firm in the Bay Area, focusing primarily on heavy industry. And what you're going to learn in today's episode is the extreme importance of subject matter expertise, not only from the perspective of the vendor, genuinely knowing and understanding the workflows, problems, and industry that they're operating in, but what it looks like to pull in a champion who has even more of that subject matter expertise to shepherd a project through to success. I like this episode because we've probably said a hundred times on this show that it is absolutely critically important that subject matter experts who understand AI conceptually be involved in AI projects. It is more than just data scientists that make this stuff come to life and turn into value. And in today's episode, that core message comes in in spades with a great client success story in the, again, steel manufacturing space. So without further ado, I want to dive into this AI success factors episode. This is Nick Kunj with Falconry here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Nikunj, I'm glad to be able to have you back with us. And now you're with us on the AI Success Factors episode. I've gotten to follow a lot of your success over the course of the past nearly a year since we first communicated. Talk to us about the individual success case you wanted to talk about. Who was the client and what was the problem? Yeah, good to be back here. You guys do some terrific work in reporting on AI and its applications. Yeah, let me tell you a little story about some of the work we've done with a steel customer in the U.S. called North American Stainless. This company has a very large operations facility in Kentucky. We have been working with them for the last uh, eight months or so. And over the course of these eight months, we've actually gotten to understand a lot more about how steel is being made in the U.S. because our prior work was only outside of the U.S. One of the reasons we are very excited about the work we've done here is because Falconry has been applied to a fairly common but undesirable set of activities or events that happen on a critical element in steel manufacturing, and that's called hot rolling. Now, hot hot rolling rolling is a process where you go from hot slabs of steel to where you can get a coil of steel. It's still very hot. You can't touch it. It's pretty dangerous to be anywhere nearby. But all the same, this is the bread and butter of steel makers And they're making these coils hopefully consistent enough from one slab to the next that they can sell first-rate product to their customers. And so this is the company that we work with. And in their hot rolling mills, they were struggling with keeping production up at all times 
for a variety of different reasons, which I am not at liberty to discuss. But they wanted to use data from that hot roll mill to understand which factors were affecting their production throughput the most and when they were happening so that they could take action upon it to prevent any major damage to their production plan. And so this is the customer that I wanted to talk about. Got it. Okay, great. So we've got a very particular issue which can cause some is it safe to say this is mostly a quality issue, mostly an efficiency issue? How would they nutshell it if they were talking about kind of the ROI and the reason that they're open to adopting AI? Yeah. First and foremost, this is just a throughput issue. Can you keep production going because all the equipment is available? And then secondly, it becomes a question of can you produce first-rate product as opposed to second-rate product? Because a second-rate product means yield is impacted, profitability is impacted. So sometimes you might actually make a loss-making product because you consumed a lot of material and you produced only second-grade product. So it was first and foremost a throughput problem that they asked us to help with. And then learning from that experience, they are seeking to do more quality-oriented things. But what was cool about this experience was that in three months from not having had any experience working with Falconry, they had a track record of falconry and how it improved, but also how it performed and gave them visibility into the events that matter to them in that production environment to an extent where nearly 95% of the events that they knew about were detected and were detected with some adequate warning anywhere between a few minutes to a few hours so that they were able to take action on it. And these actions were taken by their maintenance teams. So what is cool about this is this is AI adoption directly into the hands of operating teams. And as you can imagine, that means this is not a unique problem that is well suited to the approach. It could have been just any problem. It also means that they were able to translate their data as well as their interest in improving it to the outcomes using AI. And I take it this is one of their earlier AI projects. The steel industry, as far as I know, is not exactly on the screaming edge, generally speaking, for AI adoption. Is it safe to say this was kind of new for them as well? Yes, it was new for them. But remember, steel industry is, for very good reasons, not seen to be the early adopter of technology. And if you go to any manufacturing environment, everybody, including semiconductors and oil and gas, will tell you and even automotive, that they are not the leading adopter or the early adopter of technology, especially of AI. And steel industry is in a particularly good place to adopt Mm. because they are heavily automated. As I mentioned to you, it's a hazardous industry. Everything operates at hundreds of degrees Fahrenheit, maybe even thousands of degrees Fahrenheit. So you can't be near it. And that has forced them to depend heavily on electronics, automation, and data. It's just that the previous generation of technologies were ladder logic, which is if, then, else, if, else, yes. if, else. And that logic was good enough to get them to this point. But now as they seek to get the next 10% increase in productivity, that is not working well enough. And so they have, for that reason, been looking at other technologies. The other thing to realize is economics and the geopolitics have changed a lot to a place where it is profitable to make steel. And there's a lot of demand for it. So rather than hiring a whole bunch of new people, which actually you can't easily find today to make steel, 
and putting another few billion dollars in a few years to build a new plant, getting that additional 10% productivity using software is much more appealing now. Big time. Yeah. And and before we get into kind of the success factors here, I generally like to ask if there were, you know, any particular kind of hurdles or challenges to adoption. So many projects run into things that have to be overcome in order to get to that good result. You guys clearly have a result you're proud of, a result you can talk about, something that kind of represents your work at Falconry. Was there any kind of particular hurdle that that came up over the course of making that success happen with these guys? Well, the first hurdle often is the selection of the problem that has to be solved. And especially in the early days of applying AI to new industries, you don't know which problems are the most effective. You may know one or two problems that are effective, but those problems may not affect everybody equally. And so that was the first problem to overcome. And this customer was actually very savvy to say, we're not going to pick one. We're going to pick two different problems that are independent of each other. And sure enough, One problem had many issues because they were not producing data relevant to be used for predicting behavior that they cared about. And the other one, it turned out that the data they were producing was sufficient. You know, there are a lot of AI companies that are talking about good data as opposed to big data that are talking about sensors specifically made for predictive maintenance as opposed to sensors used in control systems. So there's a lot of discussion underway in that area. So picking a good problem is usually the first hurdle. We solve it collaboratively. We have experience working in the steel industry. We have been sure, sure. Uh, giving talks about this at the Association of Iron and Steel Technology conferences and so on. The second problem is often how do you get data out of your existing data sources into an AI system? Now, while it has become easier over time in the industrial world, a lot of the systems that people have been using are somewhat dated and do not necessarily play very nicely with the new data protocols. But this company and many other steel companies were favorably dispositioned because the company that supplies them data transfer technology for steel making called IBA is forward-looking. And they have been investing in methods to relay this data to AI systems or other analytic systems through modern technology or modern protocols. And so they were able to produce parquet files and ship it out to the cloud where this analysis was taking place. And because they were able to figure this out very quickly, that gave them another leg up. Got it. So it sounds like with some very old stodgy systems, that level of ease would very much not be the case. And it's so it, it sounds like you kind of bypass that common hurdle, but the hurdle you still did have to overcome was project selection. And it sounds like you picked kind of two beachheads to attack and there was one of them that was not necessarily viable, and one of them ended up being viable. Did I hear you correctly there? That is correct. Okay, that got is it, correct. Got it. And I would I would be remiss to not include a third critical success factor, and that was that a maintenance manager who has been in the plant for thirty years was leading this initiative with us, and he is the digitalization manager for the plant, and so he has a lot of operational experience in the plant. People look up to him to help solve problems. And while he may not be sitting in a corner office, success depends very heavily on him and his ability to rally various people within the plant, all the way from operators, shift managers, to engineers, as well as executives, to promote and to sponsor these digitalization efforts. Yeah, I mean, the C-suite is not always where all the action happens. I mean, you got to get the buy-in there, but 
yeah, somebody boots on the ground that can win the support is important. So we, we, we talked about barriers being projects and and data access. Fortunately, data access was not too challenging here. In terms of success factors, you know, kind of the big contributor is what we often like to ask, you know, what were the big factors that made this easy? We talked about some. Let's double down on this factor of having this main champion. What kind of a subject matter expert do you really look for? And what, why was this person as critical as they were? You're really putting emphasis here. What is it about this person? And, and what maybe can our audience learn about who they need to find to really sponsor and support a project? Yeah, I think these days, increasingly, Agile has made its way into industrial facilities where they are seeking to overhaul their operations. And Kanban or other types of continuous improvement methods have always been there. So in that sense, Agile is not completely foreign. But the key characteristic of this uh, leader that we found was in his ability to manage an Agile effort to roll out digital project within their company. And that meant setting small targets, making progress that could be verified week over week, and to sort of highlight what the wins were by relaying the results of the digital effort to the maintenance teams and back from them as to what they did in the field using those inputs. And so it is important for this function to be effectively the glue that binds the vendor, the IT teams, the maintenance teams, and the executive sponsors so that we can all be on the same page week after week. Got it. And how much of that sort of knowledge of collaboration, I mean, so much of AI projects relies on exactly the kind of collaboration you talked about, where not only are we winning kind of buy-in, we're also winning and spinning the flywheel of feedback, you know, across the subject matter experts, the data science folks, in this case, you guys, the vendors, that is absolutely not optional to make AI work. Did you have to kind of coach this particular experienced manager on sort mm -hmm. of what would be required for that collaboration? Right. Or what was your role as a vendor there? Right. So, I mean, if you look at landing.ai's Andrew Ng, he says the number one problem for AI in smart manufacturing is that smart subject matter experts find it hard to engage with AI engineers or data scientists, however you want to think. Yeah, yeah. And so over the last two years, we have invested almost exclusively our efforts to whittle down that problem. Now, in landing.ai focuses on vision, we focus on sensor data. But the one thing we've learned is you have to be able to pinpoint where and when something happened that needs human attention try to give it a name, provide them with the backing evidence to say why it is that that behavior is important to look at, and to provide them ways to mark their findings or their conclusion against that finding so that it can be incorporated into improving the learning. And so what we had to do in the context of this customer is to help them understand how that interaction was to take place, and they would carry out that interaction with the subject matter expert within the system using the findings and their explanations, and basically on a weekly or daily basis, in fact, look at what Falconry was saying, but then whenever it found it, usually once a week or so, to bring in that subject matter expert and ask them to confirm what was found and to provide root cause analysis of what was found. Yeah. And that was critical to them developing confidence in what the technology was doing, that it was not misleading them, it was not missing much, and that it was leading to action that they could take. 
Yeah. So it, it sounds like, Nakun, just to be mindful of time, these are 10 to 15 minute episodes, but you're bringing up s- such a great point here. I'm getting a takeaway here that's really twofold. Number one, let's get the right kind of champion. And you've done a great job describing sort of the type of experience and of, of this subject matter expert, but also let's have a real process for partnering with and enabling that champion to drive success. Let's have a method for feedback that we can work together with them with, not something we have to come up with on the fly, but a real recipe for making that SME and that champion someone who can make this thing succeed. Is that, is that right to, to take down here? Yes, yes. And you have to, I mean, the champion is is running the ball for you, but at the end of the day, you do need to quarterback them. And yep. the champion relied heavily on the technology doing its work, on the findings being understandable for which you have to provide them the interface and to make the process of the subject matter experts work be streamlined. So all of that we've been investing into as a product. But then there's another important element, which is how do the champions tell the story of success to the executive team? Yeah, now, this is not something that champions can pull off on their own. They need some help with that process, and so we had to also quarterback them on taking the results, everything that they had verified, and forming it into a story that they could repeatedly tell, not just to their bosses but to the executives, and potentially to executives in other geographies that are looking to achieve some similar results. Yeah, we we talk about it all the time, Nikunj, and you've uh, commented on some of the stuff on LinkedIn, how just undervalued executive communication of AI results and expectations actually is in terms of success. And so for you, it's, it's training them on how to collaborate within the project, but also being able to train or quarterback them, as you've said, to communicate with leadership as well. That's correct. Yes. Got it. And okay. we have learned a lot in our process as well. It's impressive what our company has learned and how we are able to now replicate that with many other steel companies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that there's there's uh, to be able to have recipes and playbooks pretty darn critical. And hopefully what we've learned here today, whether you work in the enterprise or you're a vendor yourself, you can take and apply in your own business. Nikunj, thank you so much for being able to join us on the show. Yes, it's been my pleasure and uh, good to have this very critical conversation about impact and return on investment. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Nick Hoon for joining us. Thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in all the way through to the end of this episode. This AI Success Factor series has been a real passion project of mine. It was inspired by requests from our listeners like you, the people that ping me on LinkedIn whenever you have bright ideas and you know that I always get back to you. Many of you who are listening in right now have been in my LinkedIn inbox on a number of occasions. So I appreciate you all as the inspiration for this series. And I hope you learned something from Nikunj today. I certainly enjoyed our chat and it was great to have him on our ROI series not all that long ago as well. If you're not already, so you're tuned in right now via audio, if you're not following us on social, be sure to find us. It's at E-M-E-R-J on Twitter. Or you can find us at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research on LinkedIn or on Facebook and see all of our latest interviews as they go live in addition to all of our latest frameworks, articles, use cases, and more. Again, it's at E-M-E-R-J on Twitter or just Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research on LinkedIn or on Facebook. Hope to see you in the conversation there. And otherwise, look forward to catching you for tomorrow's episode. We're going to be getting back into use cases and trends, which is our Tuesday cadence. So stick around for that and I'll catch you tomorrow. 